three, two, one. Good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome to our Black Junior Golf Podcast. My name is Ro Thompson. Uh, man, y'all are in for a special treat tonight. Uh, before we get my guest on, um, I want to make a couple of announcements um, before we get our guest speaker on tonight. Um, first thing I want to do is I want to recognize all the uh, juniors that are out there just, you know, hitting milestones and doing some great things out there in junior golf. Uh, first thing I want to acknowledge um, is I got to acknowledge uh, Matthew Vitale. Uh, Matthew, you guys, he shot a 62 a couple of weeks ago, broke Sam Sneed's uh, course record um, in Pennsylvania. Man, that's an awesome feat. As a matter of fact, he was also featured on the Golf Channel uh, for that feat. And um, so we're excited about some of the things that Matthew's doing up in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, also, we want to send a, a good luck to all of our juniors that will be uh, playing in, uh, that will be qualifying for the U.S. Open, uh, the U.S. Amateur, and the U.S. Junior Amateur. So we got several juniors that will uh, be uh, qualifying for those particular uh, tournaments. So we wish you well. Um, and y'all go out and, and shoot some really good scores and uh, have a good tournament. Um, I also want to congratulate um, Kendall for qualifying for uh, her high school um, in the state of Texas. Um, Kendall has been playing very well. Uh, she just qualified for the state uh, tournament in Texas, and uh, she's really starting to put up some uh, really good scores. She's been diving in the 60s and uh, playing some really good golf. And of course, you know, I can't say enough about Sean. Sean, Sean, Sean and Ty, Ty Treadwell is uh, doing some good things up in Nebraska. Um, Corey, uh, Cam, Cam Guyton is just tearing it up. If you, if you ever see the pictures of Cam, the other boys are always taller and bigger and he's beating all of them. So Cam, keep, keep it going. Um, we, we love what you're doing. And then uh, we got uh, Dayton, um, in, uh, in up in the up in the north uh, is doing some great things. Dayton Reed, um, we got Kyrie on uh, the podcast tonight. Um, Dayton's been winning tournament after tournament after tournament. We're watching Dayton uh, Curry, and uh, he's doing some great things in the, in the U.S. Kids uh, Junior Tour. So hats off to everybody. I know we got a lot of um, a lot of you know good things happening, um, and uh, I, I apologize if I, I didn't get a chance to. Call, call out some of some of you, but hey, just know we're watching. Um, think great things are happening in junior golf, and um, we we just want to make sure that we continue this journey of getting better and doing uh, what we're supposed to do in the game of junior golf. So tonight, you all, we have a special guest, and you know when I when I when I pick out guests, you know I try to pick out guests that can be totally helpful uh, to junior golf. Um, you know, we've had the AJG on, AJG on, JJ, AJGA on, and we've had some of the other um, uh, great teachers, and we've had some of our young juniors on, and we've had some parents on. We've had Mackenzie Mack, and we've had a, a, a lot of, you know, up-and-coming um, uh, professional golfers. And so tonight, you all, we have a special guest by the name of Marty Griffin. Uh, Marty Griffin, you all, is the founder of uh, of, of, of junior uh, golf strategy. You know, he's, he, you know, he's put together uh, some good teachings and he has his own podcast. 
Um, he is, uh, he, and one of the things that Marty is really good at, he's good at uh, helping juniors to break through, okay? Like one of the breakthroughs that, that, that I had that we're trying to accomplish with John is we're trying to get him into the lower 70s. You know, he's been between 78, 82. So we're trying to get him into the lower 70s. And that's just a breakthrough that's going to happen real soon. So without any further delay, I want to bring to our show, Mr. Marty Griffin. Hey, Marty, how you doing, bro? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for that introduction. It's uh, it's finally. I'm in Wisconsin, so it's finally actually starting to feel like golf season. So, I'm I'm ready to to get out and get going. Good man, good. We're down in I'm I'm down in South Carolina, so it's been you know pretty mild here for the last couple of months, and you know we we generally only have about maybe two two or three cold months in in, in South Carolina. So, we uh we we we're excited down here, and we got a lot of golf ahead of us. Um, but Marty, want to thank you again for being on the show. And um, before we get started here into, you know, talking about golf strategy and just different ways that you help juniors break through, give us your, give us your journey. And we, we're just going to have a conversation tonight. Um, yeah. Give us your journey um, in the game of golf. How'd you get started? You know, just give us a little history uh, on, about Marty. So I've, I have a, I, what I like to think is kind of an interesting uh journey to golf. So I was the standard rough and tumble kid, you know, wrestling all the time. And my, my parents got me into more physical sports uh, when I was younger. Um, but I had an open heart surgery when I was 14 months old. And so the doctors were always very kind of cautious with my abilities and what I could do. And when I was 12 years old, I actually had my second open heart surgery. And from that point forward, they're like, you're done wrestling. You're done with baseball, football, any of those things that could have like a, you know, like a, a hard shot to your chest or cause increase of blood pressure. Right. They said no to. And my dad just happened to be returning to golf after like a 20 year absence. And yeah. I, we had cleared it with the doctors, like, well, can I at least play golf? It's just walking around. Little did I know then, hey, if you want high blood pressure, go play golf. Right. <laughs> so I happened to follow my dad to the driving range. And honestly, I just fell in love with it. I, I happened to have a bit of a knack for it. My brothers all played hockey. And so there were plenty of hockey sticks in our garage. So I was already kind of used to that motion, dropping the shoulder and powering through lots of hip turn. And it, it just kind of clicked for me. And because it was really the only thing I was given permission to do, like from a medical standpoint, I dove in head first. My dad, he tried to work with me for like the first couple of months. And he's like, honestly, I've taught you everything that I know. It's time for lessons. And so I started lessons as a 12-year-old. Uh, I got into the, the Wisconsin Junior Tour and I played all over the state I tried uh, qualifiers for national events. I, I never got to the level of, of some of the, the folks that you're mentioning so far, but uh, it, was, it was enough to open some doors to a couple schools. And uh, really for me, it, it helped me realize what I wanted to do with the game because I tried to, you know, I tried to make more of a playing career out of golf and, that 
that wasn't where my enjoyment was. You know, I, I didn't love the grind in that respect. What I really liked was at a, at a certain point, I think I was probably about 20 years old, I started to become my dad's coach. Okay. And he was, he was about a 20 handicap. And in about a year and a half, we got him down to a 14. And it was one of the last events of the season. He ended up uh, shooting an even par 36 on the back nine. So first time he ever shot even par on, on nine holes. Wow. He ended up finishing with a 79 and he was in like the, I want to say he was in like the B flight or maybe the C flight for his tournament. Right. And he blew the doors off of everybody and he could not believe it was so cool to watch my dad there with the scorecard, just add it up like four or five times. And he's like, there's no way, there's no way. Right. And he did it again and he did it again. And his, you know, his competitor who was keeping his card for him was like, yeah, no, you shot a 79. Right. And he just couldn't believe it. And so from that point on, that's what I knew I wanted to do in golf is I wanted to help other people have those breakthroughs. That's good. That's really good, man. And so, so, so Marty, talk to us a little, little bit about um, golf strategy school. You know, when you, when you think about golf strategy, you know, you're thinking about, you know, you think about, uh, course management, you think about yep. different strategies on how you want to play different holes. Uh, just talk a little bit about what you bring to the game uh, to help juniors really have that that big time breakthrough. Yeah, so you know, when we talk about strategy, it's pretty much everything between the ears, right? Right. So there's, there's so many levels and so many layers to that. And I think a lot of people, they really struggle with either how to apply it. Like they know, they know what they're supposed to do, but you know, how do we get used to actually putting that into play in the moment, especially under moments of pressure and, and how do we make that such a natural part of our game that it doesn't occupy any of our mental bandwidth? Because there are, even if you just think about like the very basic level of golf, there are so many mental calculations and inputs and everything that you have to do before you even get to swinging the club that you really have to have a system, a process and really a pattern that you stick to a habit. You can call it that if you wanted to, that is so ingrained that it happens without any thought. And that's really what I've kind of come to, to help people with is help them figure out how to develop their own habit and how to really kind of make it their own and not just learn their own habit, but how to manage it going forward. Because nothing from a skill standpoint is static forever. Right. So, you know, it's that old adage, and I don't know who said it first, but you're either getting better or you're getting worse. You know, you're with us or you're against us. It's that whole kind of philosophy. Right. So very similar with golf, you know, very rarely do our skills stay the same level for a long period of time. They're either slightly improving or slightly uh you know, unimproving and we're, we're stuck with how do we see that trend line going down and pick it back up before it really costs us in like a major catastrophic way, whether it's a, you know, a, a brain fart and a double bogey or whether it's like a full on funk with like the yips for a period of time. Right. So that's, that's really what I like to help people do is help, you know, figure out how they can manage those skills and uh, do it really on their own. Good, good. So talk to us a little bit about those strategies. So let's say you've got a junior uh, that's, you know, maybe 80-ish, high 70-ish, and they're really trying to get to, you know, even par, better, better than even par. 
what are some of the different strategies that you teach your golfers to help them have that that breakthrough sure so really golf is about consistency right because i don't i don't care if your shot goes 30 yards left or right if it's going 30 yards left to right every single time it's consistent you can play it you can you can make it work so usually what I'll start with is I'll ask the person to describe their pre-shot routine. Gotcha. And if we're, you know, if we're in this type of setting, a virtual setting, it's nice and easy to do. I don't have to be there to see it, but it should be something, the way that I describe it is this is something that you should be able to tell me straight off the top of your head if the fire alarm went off in the middle of the night. Gotcha. So that fire alarm goes off, you shoot up out of bed, you, what's going on? What's going on? If for some reason I'm standing at the foot of your bed and I say, Hey, what's your pre-shot routine? You should be able to tell it to me. Right. It should be that ingrained because if you don't have a consistent approach to every shot, how can you expect to have a consistent result? And so I find that's kind of the root of a lot of the issues is and an inconsistent approach to that pre-shot routine, especially if we're at that, you know, we we'll dip under 80 a couple times, but boy, I would really like to see a red number at the end of that scorecard, right. you know? Uh, so that's where I'll start. And then from there, we kind of take it a, a step at a time and we look for, you know, where those weaknesses are in the mental game I have a process that I walk people through and I'm, I'm happy to take everybody through it here today yeah. that I call the avenue to success. And I call it the avenue because you have to analyze, you have to visualize, and you have to execute on every single shot. And if you measure your success rate at all of those, you are going to start to see where that weakness is. So when we talk about analyzing, that's the base level thing that, that everybody learns pretty early on in golf. How far is it? Where's the wind? Is there something crazy that I need to be aware of? It's, you know, it's everything that you kind of notice walking up to the shot. Visualization at, at this level for juniors, uh, they're probably doing it if they're really this skill level. But if someone's in that kind of like, eh, I'm, you know, most of the time I'm 80, 82, you know, on the good days, it'll be 78, 77. Yeah. A lot of times that's not consistent okay. for people. Like the visualization falls off a lot of times. And when you pose that question, like if I were to ask someone, hey, how do you visualize your shot? You know, they'll, they really kind of struggle to put parameters around it. And what I have found is the absolute easiest way to visualize a shot is just say what you want it to be out loud, you know, kind of speak it into existence. Exactly. And so I'll like, if people are playing with me for the first time, somewhere within like the first couple holes, I'll probably make a joke that says, Hey, if you hear me talking to myself, don't worry. It's part of my pre-shot process. It's my visualization. Right. Okay. I'm, and, and I'll say like, this is my start line. I want it to move right to left and I want it to land at this hyper specific point and release to this area. So I, I kind of walk my ball through its entire journey that I want it to go on. So that's my visualization process. Right. For execution, it's easy to kind of think execution as like the quality of the shot, but to me, it's not. It's whether or not we stuck to the plan that we just laid out with our analysis and our visualization. 
So it's kind of a measurement of commitment, right? Gotcha. So execution isn't, did I make the six foot putt? Execution is, okay, I read two inches of break. Did I actually commit to that line or did I kind of get scared and give it a little tug and try to pull it more toward the cup? Right. So that, that's our measure of execution. So if I'm playing a par three and I make par, right. I had three shots that I should have analyzed. I had three shots that I should have visualized. And I had three shots that I had the opportunity to execute that plan on. So I'm going to keep on my scorecard an A row, a B, uh, I'm sorry, an A, a V, and an E row. And so if I actually analyzed all three shots, I'm going to give myself a score of three. If I visualized all three shots, I'm going to give myself a score of three. If I executed, if I stuck to that plan all three times, I'm going to give myself a score of three. But if I, if I forgot to do any one of those steps, I might only have a two out of three on, on that specific section. And so, you know, when you, when you take that through the entire round, professional golfers, they are, in the mid nineties okay. or their ability to do that on every single shot. Gotcha. So this is a really, really easy way to compare ourselves to professionals and to see where we might have some low hanging fruit mm. in terms of the ability to improve because anything like the time and the effort and the range work and all that stuff yeah. that takes time. You know, in my opinion, when you're out on a course, there's nothing you can do to fix what's going to happen that day. The results of that day are all because of the work that you've put in previously. Right. You know, it's, it's the grind, it's the effort, it's the practice. But when we're out there, aside from our swing, we still have a ton of control. You know, anything that comes down to a decision being made, that's something that you had control of. And it's not something that was, reliance upon all of the hours of practice that you've already done right so 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 when you when you talk about the the analyzing when you talk about the execution the visualization um marty what do you generally recommend to a junior that's maybe having a tough day that's you know maybe maybe hitting a couple of bad shots they may have had a bogey double double bogey on a hole or two um, what, what are your recommendations when a junior is having a really tough time doing a yeah. round or, you know, what, 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 what would you say about that? So in the moment, it, you know, it, it's really hard to let things go. I totally understand that. Right. Uh, especially at this elite level, I think it's really important. Most of the elite kids could probably tell me their pre-shot routine if the fire alarm went off at midnight and they were just woken up. Right. They probably have that ability. Right. But what a lot of people are probably missing is the opposite side of that coin, a post shot routine. Mm. It is hugely important. And I, boy, it was a Tiger Woods book um, from, I want to say right around the year 2000, I think is when I read it. And it was all about how he played his game. I think it was a, a golf channel production, but so I read that book and that's where I, I first learned of the concept of a post shot routine. And for me, my post-shot routine is I give myself either 30 seconds or 30 steps, depending on what the shot just was, to be as heated and irritated and upset about that shot, which if we look at Jordan Spieth, 
boy's got some fire behind him. When he's upset, he's upset. He's banging clubs. He's doing all of that. But you can tell kind of internally there's a timer. Gotcha. And when that timer goes off, hey, that's back there. That's done. I can't control it. I acknowledged it. I, you know, I understand what may have happened, what my mistake may have been. But the fact of the matter is I can't do anything to change that now. We're moving on. We're starting our assessment, our analysis for the next shot. So I'll give myself uh, 30 steps if I am hitting any shot that's not on the green. If I'm on or around the green, I give myself about 30 seconds, 30 seconds to either celebrate or be angry about that previous shot. And I think it's, it is just as important to have that post shot routine so you can manage the emotional aspect because we all know, and as parents, I, you know, I've, my kids play basketball because they're gigantically tall for their age. I have a 12 year old who's five foot seven. Wow. She's been five, seven since she was 10. Right. So like, I understand watching and having all of that emotion as a parent. And I, I kind of go back to my time on the golf course and how I dealt with that emotion on the golf course, you know, helped me learn how to deal with that emotion of watching my kids play sports. Right. But you know, you have to be able to close the chapter on each individual shot. So whether it's, my method, which I straight up took from Tiger Woods, right. or whether it's some other method that better suits your personality or your junior's style of play, that's fine. But there has to be a method to close the book. That way, if you do come across that that stumbling point, you know, you you accidentally miss a green and then you don't hit the greatest chip and then you make a really bad first putt and then you end up three jacking it and you're like, how did that turn into a six? Oh. it's important to acknowledge it, but you have to be able to put it behind you and you have to start to build that process into your game. Uh, another thing that I would do if I was, if I was really, really, really having a hard time letting go of, of a shot or a hole or whatever it is, maybe I'm playing someone one-on-one -on -one in a match play event and they just right. smoked me on a hole and I'm trying to recover mentally. Right. Uh, it's called a, a power stance or a superhero pose. So it's just the way that uh, it was explained to me. And I got this from Debbie O'Connell, who was the LPGA instructor of the year. I want to say four years ago. Uh, it, it has to do kind of with our neuro-linguistic programming, like how we behave and how we react and the physiological reactions that we have within ourselves. So a power pose is just kind of imagine you're that superhero, you know, standing on top of a building. You got your hands on your hips. You got your chest out high. You got nice straight posture and just take like a couple deep breaths in that pose. And you'd be surprised. You can actually start to feel the stress melt. So my, I kind of pair that with circular breathing. So I'll, you know, I'll breathe in for three counts and then I'll breathe out for four counts while I've got my hands on my hips and I've got that, that power pose on. Gotcha. Breathe in for three, breathe out for four, breathe in for four, breathe out for five. If I'm really struggling, breathe out, you know, and just kind of use like the breathing exercises and that pairing with your post shot routine to really help you put whatever catastrophe may have happened behind you.
Right. And it's, it's funny you say that, Marty, because uh, my wife and I, we watched a special on uh, Dustin Johnson. You know, Dustin's from Columbia, South Carolina, so that's our hometown. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he said was, you know, when he hits a bad shot, he said, it's over. And, you know, Dustin doesn't really throw clubs, and, you know, it's, yep. it's hard to know what type of emotion he has. But that's one of the things that we took from that. And we try to instill in our son is Dustin said, when, when you hit a bad shot, there's nothing you can do about it. It's already done. You can't change it. There's no rewind button. Right. right. So, you got, <laughs> so you, you're just better off moving on. And, you know, I like the, I like the piece where you're talking about, you know, taking deep breaths, you know, you know, giving yourself 30 seconds, taking 30 steps, you know, cause you see a lot of kids, you know, they like to bang clubs and, you know, they put stress on those shafts and they just, mm-hmm. you know, they just causing parents to have to spend more money sometimes. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's not a good thing. So, you know, we really appreciate you sharing that um, with us. And so um, anything else you want to uh, share with us um, about, you know, when it comes to golf strategy, um, you know, you know, what are some of the other, other things that you teach um, in your school? So one of the things that I think is one of the, the kind of base level game changing concepts that people, uh, when at least that's my perception when they come across this concept uh it's the think box play box so it's from uh pia nilsen and lynn marriott uh they formed a company called vision 54 and they've got a a book called i believe it's called vision 54 uh and this is it's it's just a way to kind of compartmentalize your process a little bit because i think when, especially as kids, you know, there's, there's so much emotion tied up in everything. I like, like I said, I've got a 12 year old. Um, oh boy, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's levels of sass that I never thought I could imagine. Right. Right. And, but then I, I think back to how I was at 12, I had all that same angst and anger and sass and disappointment when I didn't do something well. It's just that I wore mine kind of like Dustin Johnson, like one or two levels under the surface. So it wasn't as prevalent and as easy to see. Right. And when I, when I first learned about this concept of the think box play box, uh, it really helped me uh, kind of break down my pre-shot process into smaller segments that were easier to manage. So then it just kind of becomes a checklist. You're like, okay, I did this. Next on the list is this and so on until I'm over my ball and I'm hitting my shot. So the think box play box, the concept is that when you're standing behind the ball and you're doing your analysis and your visualization steps, you are in the think box. You can change your plan. You can kind of thought experiment. Oh, what would it you know, what would it look like if I tried to hit a high cut instead of, you know, trying to really bore into the wind and hit more of a stinger? Like all of, all of your postulation, all of your thinking, for lack of a better term, happens in the think box. Right. And so then as you approach the shot, so you have kind of an imaginary line on the ground that's behind the ball. As you walk around and you come to address, you are now stepping into the play box And when you're in the play box, you have to stick to the plan that you just made. So this is where we would measure whether or not we've executed our our plan that we just made. And and just to have those kind of clear cut delineations, 
I think for a lot of people, especially people who are really trying to hit like a breakthrough or a milestone score, that is a way that they can, they can help kind of break up the monotony that they might be used to and instill that as part of their process to, to give themselves just a little bit more of a mental edge compared to competitors. Great, great, great. Hey, listen, Marty, I've taken a lot of great notes. This has been really good. Um, talk to us a little bit about your podcast that you do. Yeah, so my podcast is the Golf Strategy School podcast. It's really designed more for uh, adults who are either kind of newer to the game and they're trying to, you know, like they've, they've played it, they've fallen in love with it, and now they're like, they've got the bug and they got to figure out how to right. get better. Right. Uh, so I deal with a lot of people who are trying to break 90. And then uh, a lot of times those people stick with me to the point where I had to produce coursework for them on how to break 80. Right. And I, I know I really just kind of lean on my experiences. I, I start off the podcast with almost a year straight of just interviews with golf professionals. Gotcha. So I interviewed golf digest, top 40 folks, sports psychologists, just kind of having a very similar conversation to what we've had. Hey, how did you fall in love with golf? And then at the end, we would transition into more actionable content about like, all right, what's your favorite practice for your students? Right. When your students are really struggling, what's your go-to thing to break them out of it? And things like that. And so it kind of evolved into more of like, hey, how do we look at the mental game? And uh, from there, I just kind of got feedback from my audience and I, I went where they wanted to go. So, yeah. Good. That's good. And where do you want to, where do you want to ultimately take golf strategy school? Oh boy. What is, what is the end game of golf strategy school? Uh, so honestly, I would love to, and it's kind of weird because golfers in a lot of ways are very to themselves and introverted. They don't want to share all of their problems and issues and stuff like that. I would love for golf strategy school to be a one-on-one -on -one conversation between me and a prospective student where we kind of break down from an analysis standpoint. Cause I love numbers. I I'm a numbers nerd. Right. I would love to just kind of go through their game and break it down and kind of give them an action plan for maybe like the next two to four weeks that they play golf. That's good. And the goal would then be, you know, the, hopefully that they would see that value and then return as a client. Um, right now I have a, a monthly membership. So I have a breaking 90 and a breaking 80 program. Gotcha. And that's where, you know, people who are in one of those two camps, they come to me and I help them through it. Good, good. But you may want to think about having a breaking 70 and breaking 60 for the juniors. How about that? <laughs> oh boy. I'm at my, my personal best is 66. I went, I went six under at my home course in a tournament and uh, that, that was all of the lightning in the biggest bottle that I could muster. <laughs> I haven't been anywhere near it since, but golf is one of those games where it continues to give you new challenges, teach you new lessons. And that's one of the things what, that I love about it. And it's something that will keep me playing the game forever. Good, good. Well, listen, we've got several uh, parents, uh, juniors on here. And what we're going to do is we're going to open up the lines a little bit here. Uh, Marty, and um, do we have any questions from uh, any of our parents or juniors?